Welcome to Packet Pushes Heavy Networking. Today, we're taking a deep dive into Ogterra Networking and how their purpose-built AI platform improves the operational efficiency in data networking. In this sponsored show, Rahul Agarwal, founder and CEO of Ogterra, is going to make a compelling case that AI and machine learning is already here for networking using the Ogterra Networks platform. We have seen a lot of hype around what I think of as consumer-grade artificial intelligence and machine learning this year. And I want to make the point that business-grade AI is very, very different. The way that we train the data models, the algorithms that we use, the development process that goes into building business-grade AI are solving for a very narrow set of technology problems. Instead of what we see things like ChatGPT and, and MidJourney and all that, they're solving very broad, very open and open-ended problems, and they get it wrong more often than not. And we'll cover this in more detail in today's show so that you can be get some insight into how business AI actually is much different to what consumer AI is. And I think that's really important. But let's just start with a brief overview of Ogterra, and then we'll move into the real AI discussions and into the details. Rahul, welcome to the show and welcome back to Packet Pushers. We've had you here before, I think. Let's get into it. What is Ogterra? So Ogterra's network AI platform prevents incidents and automates network operations across hybrid cloud networks. To give a little bit more color on that, uh, Octera normalizes data from literally every possible data source you can imagine in hybrid cloud environments. It learns the network topology automatically. It learns patterns and correlations at scale from both metric data, text data, packet data. It's able to find what we call preventive AI needles. And these needles, they can be automatically consumed by either humans, mm. you know, using ticketing systems, for example, or they can be fed into automation systems to drive dynamic changes back to the network. Okay, so there was a lot said there, and I think I want to get some definitions before we go further. First, what do you what do you mean by hybrid cloud? Can I use this technology on prem and in in cloud deployments? Absolutely. By hybrid cloud, I mean the infrastructure which uh, comprises on prem data centers and public cloud environments. Right. So this means that it's basically your AI platform isn't just focused on the data center or an SD WAN, which we've seen from some other vendors. They're starting off small. Your platform's a little bit more ambitious in the sense that you're saying off-prem cloud, or as I call it, and on-prem cloud, both of them together are hybrid cloud. So any network anywhere. And you also, um, I believe, do some in the SD-WAN, because sometimes the SD-WAN is not necessarily seen as part of cloud, although I, I would say that it is. So you're actually covering just about all networking, except maybe campus, I think. That's exactly right. Actually, mm. you know, we can use another term to describe this and terminology starts to get a little bit sort of uh, vague here. Yeah. Um, uh, we could use the term multi-cloud. And what multi-cloud really refers to is on-prem data center infrastructure, yeah. public cloud environments, SD-WAN environments, and enterprise WAN environments. And all of these are connecting together to really drive and serve modern applications. Okay. Um, so that's how we think about where Octera plays. And as you correctly pointed out, it is not designed for or limited to any specific environment. Uh, it's really designed to be to serve any network anywhere. So that would imply that Octera is a multi-vendor, multi-technology, vendor agnostic platform. You don't, you're just ingesting the data that's available from the sources and then 
and we'll talk more about the the process of getting data, but you work with any technology anywhere is kind of what I'm hearing. That's exactly right. And that's a critical part of our differentiation and the value proposition. Mm. We are multi-vendor. We are deployed in production at scale with all the large vendors you can think of. Mm-hmm. Cisco, Juniper, Arista, Dell Sonic, uh, other Dell pieces of hardware, VMware, list goes on and on, as well as public cloud environments with AWS, Azure, GCP, a slew of SD-WAN vendors, including CloudGenix, VeloCloud, uh, Viptela, Versa, you name it. And in addition to that, we are also integrated in production with the large uh, data platforms like Splunk, Elasticsearch, Prometheus. Um, So... Yeah, that's just uh, adding a bit more color to your question. Yeah, so what you're actually saying is you can actually take data from those platforms like Splunk and Elasticsearch, as well as any number of vendor devices in the networks, as well as any of the public cloud proprietary networks, and still extract meaning, operational meaning out of that, because AI allows you to look for patterns and topologies in that in in that system. Yeah, and the reason why what we have built is special is because we take all this data, we normalize that data into a single representation, if you can I, will. Can I ask you a weird question? What do you mean by normalized data? Just, it, I'm not sure everybody yeah. would understand what you mean by normalizing data. Yeah, so I think the answer, the precise answer to your question is also a little bit in the weeds. Mm. Uh, think of it as when we take data from all these different sources we just talked about, yeah. we we take that data and we represent that in Octera in a single data structure. So right. uh, let's say, for example, you know, we can take a um, sort of a really precise example. Let's say we get, uh, we're talking about uh, packet drops on an interface. Mm-hmm. And let's say we get those packet drops on an interface from SNMP in a specific MIB. Uh, we get that from open config, gRPC, GNMI, uh, from a specific open config path. Yeah. Or we might get those even from syslog as metrics in syslog. Now, those are just three examples of that very specific similar metric. When it when it comes inside Octera and it goes past a normalization layer, it looks exactly the same. It's, so it's packet just drops. packet drops, regardless of where it came from in a sense exactly right and the packet drop is a packet drop is a packet drop is a packet drop and then ai your ai algorithms which we'll probably move to in a minute are then able to say i'm seeing packet drops you're not actually not actually trying to intuit because the data is now in a in a consistent form the algorithms can much more cleanly and reliably get an outcome that's exactly right. Mm. And there's a lot of, uh, one of the things which makes this special is why is it network specific? Why is it domain specific? Mm. Because a lot of technology which A, normalizes this data correctly uh, off the shelf, operator doesn't have to do anything. And then there is the, the algorithms on the other side, which are working off these normalized metrics like packet drops are purpose built for different kinds of metrics and different kinds of networking distributions and logs. Mm. So Rahul, I just wanted to get a, a grip here because I think there's some similarities between intent and models and how the AI system that Octera puts together. You're actually learning the topology by building a model of the network so that you can then find patterns in the topology. Is that right? Yeah, we do have a network model. That's right. Mm. Then you said that you can find the preventative AI needle. So you're actually using AI to find something in the network because your tool is operational. It's not so much about configuring the network, although you do because you can perform preventive activities. When you say you're trying to find the preventive AI needle, what do you mean? 
Yeah, let's take a very concrete example. Let's say that optics on an interface begins to degrade. More often than not, operators find out when the optics actually breaks, and that can manifest itself in either the interface beginning to misbehave in a way which shows up in application data, mm. uh, or the operator might get some hardware alarms from the device. Octera looks at the optical metrics, for example, the lane laser current and so on and so forth. And a few days before the optics breaks, is able to say the pattern is degrading. There is a problem. Mm-hmm. You can prevent an outage by actually taking action now. Right. That anomaly on that very specific interface and the optics of that interface is a preventative needle. Right. Now, I could, using existing tool sets or heritage tool sets, as I would say, I can go to this port and say, monitor the signal strength. And if it crosses this threshold, alert me. But your Altera is going out there and saying, oh, this is an interface. I need to monitor the signal strength because that's normal. Yeah. So the the difference is that in traditional tools, as you pointed out, you Mm. need to apply a threshold. Now, if you look at optics, for example, right, no one even knows what's normal, what threshold to even apply. Yeah. And then now let's take another scenario where you might know what's normal, right? For example, packet drops. At least humans understand a little bit what a packet drop is versus what optical signal is. Mm. But the packet drops vary dramatically on different interfaces in the data center, for example. And a lot of the packet drops are normal. They're expected, like on top of rack switches. So again, what threshold do you apply? And those packet drops change with time of day, with seasonality, with weekends. Yeah. So learning from the data and finding what's normal, that's actually the very, very difficult problem. And we solve that. And AI solves that, or AI machine learning and so forth. Now, it's it's worth noting that 95% of networks are still on-prem today. And although for all the hype and the bombast going on around off-premise uh, data centers, you know, or public cloud, as they call it, it, the real story here is that most people still have them in-house, and you work with that. That's exactly right. I think uh, what you said is a critical point, mm. that we're still in a very early journey of uh, compute and applications in the large enterprises moving to public cloud. Majority of that, vast majority of that is on-premise. And we absolutely work with that. And and that's very difficult to do because these environments are very complex. So we started in the on-premise data center. The software was designed to be hybrid cloud and multi-cloud day one, but we focused our deployments uh, early on in the on-premise data center. And now those deployments in the last couple of years have expanded out to more the hybrid and the multi-cloud environments. Mm. Now, and the real problem here with all of this, you know, we've said this plenty of times on many, many other shows, is that for hybrid networking, the challenge here is this, for hybrid cloud, is that your network got more complex. Our SD-WAN went from sending packets across CIR committed, you know, leased lines to overlays over an uncertain internet. And data center traffic is now split between on-prem, maybe two or three or four data centers, and then wherever Google, Azure, and AWS and what other mysterious stuff that you've got going on, it just all got a lot more complicated. The operational problem is worse than it ever was, not better, right? That's exactly right. I mean, the the simple way to think about it is that the on-premise environments were always complex, right? If I'm an enterprise and I had an on-premise environment only, say, seven years back, that environment has, if anything, become more complicated because mm-hmm. you've gone to software-defined networking. Yeah. On top of that, now that environment is connecting to the, all these other environments uh, which you just talked about. 
right? Whether it's public cloud or SD-WAN and so on. So it's just logic tells you that the complexity from an operational point of view has just increased, hasn't reduced. Yeah, yeah. It's just overlays and on overlays on underlays and, you know, you just, it's it really is a much more complicated, a much more complicated situation in, in really the operational models that we had from a decade ago and, and the visibility or monitoring models are not going to work going forward. So as I understand it, Octera sort of says, well, if I use artificial intelligence and machine learning to look at the state of the network, I can intuit where the problems are and, and, and tell them before they realize that was, that was a problem. I don't have to go and manually configure all the things where it might go wrong. Exactly. And that's and a, you know, yeah. Right, yeah. And that's something I think we need to dig into because I feel like, you know, <clears throat> some of the terms you've used, you know, correlation of metrics, anomaly detection, we could have been having this conversation 15 years ago talking about these kind of tools. So what is it that Octare is doing differently that, uh, you know, I wouldn't get from an anomaly detection product, you know, a decade and a half ago? Yeah, see, the uh, difference between, uh, say, you know, 10 years back and today is that the way technologies have evolved on the compute side and on the uh, memory or the RAM side, is it actually makes uh, machine learning at this scale possible and it makes, makes, uh, makes it cost economical. It wasn't actually possible you know, 15 years back. So let's take an example. Octera can uh, build millions of models uh, cost economically and learn these patterns we are talking about across uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of metrics on, for example, millions and millions of interfaces. And do that cost economically, where actually an operator can deploy this at scale, solve the problems we are talking about, and find it economical. So that that's a big, big part of it. Mm. The uh, second part of it is, you know, things like we can take billions and billions of logs an hour, uh, and hundreds of billions of logs a day, and we can find automatically those handful of logs where which are those you know very hidden rare logs, indicative of things breaking or the root cause of problems, let's say there's an ASIC which suddenly starts to malfunction. And there is a log which says there is an ASIC error, parity error. Hmm. Now, what happened without Octera, operators would dig into these logs and probably spend hours or days once the switch really starts to complain. Hmm. Uh, with our technology, we can find that log automatically and say, go take a look. None of this was possible 15 years back. And for that matter, hmm. yeah. no other us can do this today. The so-called intelligent monitoring was actually just manually defined patterns. You know, if you see this in the log, then this is a known problem and throw this error message. That really was where we are. Whereas you're much more saying AI can apply algorithms to this in real time at scale in and be able to, to come up to the user and say, this is an operational fault. We know this to be an operational fault because this is a pattern that that is known to be a problem. Yeah, and you know, there are two more points I, I want to make, uh, which, are, which are very important here. The networks, the way they have evolved in the last couple of decades, they've gone past human scale. Mm. So the, the <laughs> point you just made a little while back, that these environments are getting bigger and more complex, so humans can't keep up. Mm. That, that's one thing. And the second point is that the networking industry has been fixated on the configuration of these environments automatically. You already talked about in the Intel mm. platform. But the automation of the operations is an elephant in the room. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just flabbergasted that the industry doesn't talk much about it, and, and that is where the biggest spend is. Yeah. So, and I mean, the public clouds continue to add features and change things, and you know, in the and you 
you can't keep up with that in some way. You can't. If you've got a team of three or four network engineers, how many skills do you have to have to keep up with, say, AWS, Azure, Data Center, SD-WAN? Like, that's a lot to handle. So you really do need some sort of new operational tool that 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 does a lot of this. And one of the things that we talked about when we were prepping for the show is you said that um, you're applying your algorithms real time, but you also said that not all AI solutions are real time. Can you explain to me why that is? Because I think that's something I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. So if you look at, uh, I'll take a step back. If you look at the broad development of AI across the industry, mm. a lot of the applications of AI are based on historical data. What does that mean? That means that uh, there is an AI team, data science team. It takes data from the last several days, several months, several years. It uh, trains uh, that data on algorithms. Uh, it comes up with a model. And then that model is then used for whatever application it's driving, right? So this whole analysis, the data science analysis, coming up with the models, all that is happening, quote unquote, offline. Mm. And uh, with networks, what's really critical is that these distributions, say, for example, traffic on an interface uh, or the lock patterns, they're changing all the time. So you have to be able to learn, constantly keep relearning from the data as it changes. It's, there's a term called online learning for that. So Octera is able to learn from these uh, uh, gazillions of mm. metrics and logs in real time by using online learning. It constantly keeps re relearning from the data. So and this, is, does, this is different then to what we see other people talking about where they say they generate the models in the cloud and then download them to the edge. Exactly right. Right. Okay. The models are actually being constantly relearned mm -hmm. using online learning, mm -hmm. and the predictions are happening in real time. So I'll give you a really uh, there are many examples of this. I'll pick one which will illustrate the point to you. Yeah. So I talked about our rare log technology, where we can, uh, you know, find these unique and rare logs from billions of logs. Now imagine a scenario where I'm an enterprise and I have uh, terabytes of log data a day which is very common for large enterprises. Now, this rare log technology, which we have got, mm. it actually uh, requires, you know, to produce really great results, it requires two or three weeks of history. So uh, you've got these, uh, you know, multiple terabytes of data, maybe tens of terabytes of data that the model is learning from. And as the new logs come in real time, it's looking at those logs and saying, look, are these important or rare enough for me to notify uh, anomalies on? Now, as these logs keep coming, every few minutes, you have to rebuild your model. Well, with, with the traditional understanding, you would go and take these every few minutes, you would have to take this tens of terabytes of data, crunch it, and rebuild your model. That's a non-starter. Because either to do that, you would require gazillions of servers, or it would take you days, one or the other. Yeah. With Opera, we our algorithms are incremental. So we can take those few minutes of data and incrementally modify the models without crunching all the past data. You so know, it's so, not like, so it's, it's real time. And so this is compared to other ones where they say like, you know, oh, we're going to be sending you some new models next week. Watch out for something that's happening. Yours is much more organic and incremental. So changes are much more, well, they're happening quickly, which may be relevant to people whose networks are changing quickly, but also you're also changing as the networks change. So if you've got a network which is responding to a DDoS incident, which is a transitory or a temporal thing, you're going to respond a lot quicker than somebody else whose models are, might be on a monthly download cycle or something. Exactly right. 
And uh, if, if your models are on monthly download cycles or things of that nature, that's a bit of a non-starter from my perspective in networks. Okay. So another thing that we wanted to talk about, I want to talk a little bit more about what do we mean by AI. Um, the difference between unsupervised learning, collected learning, and supervised learning. And what I'm driving at here is how can we understand if Altera is safe when tools like ChatGPT or MidJourney are just so obviously flawed and unsafe for normal, like for real use, if you get my meaning. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't draw an analogy with the ChatGPT. I'm not an expert in that area. Mm. But I'll answer your first question about, you know, the, the three things you talked about and why is Octera safe? So the way we look at uh, the three points you made, right? Unsupervised learning, collective learning, and supervised learning. The uh, metric data in networks, for example, traffic on an interface, packet drops, CRC errors, latency, loss, all of these things, right? They are uh, constantly changing and they are very different on uh, uh, network to network and not just from network to network, even with a ne within a network. Mm -hmm. If I look at interfaces on top of rack switch, one switch versus another switch, latency in different parts of the infrastructure, it's different. Mm. So you need to learn from the data. You can't say, you know what, I've learned this model on network X. Let me apply the exact same model on network Y and I'll find good results. It's garbage in, garbage out. Right. So uh, that, that's where unsupervised learning is very powerful because you need to learn from the data. And we have hardened our unsupervised algorithms over the years across large-scale deployments. And we're finding results which are very high fidelity, low false positive. So that's the role of unsupervised learning. It's it plays a massive role in these environments. Right. And could you just tell us what unsupervised learning means in general? My assumption is it means you let this algorithms run on a set of data and it gives you results that you aren't necessarily giving a feedback on. It's just sort of showing you, hey, I came up with these. What do you think? Yeah. So the uh, you are right. It's learning from the data without the humans telling what's normal. Now, uh, so the machine tells you, look, I found this, it's abnormal. But uh, let's go to the next step, actually. Octera allows operators to give us feedback. So their feedback can start now controlling future results. So we are starting with unsupervised learning for all of our use cases, but they can give us feedback. Now, as they give us feedback, this sort of starts to become a little bit of a blend between unsupervised and supervised for some use cases, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so that, that's one second part of it. Third part of it is there are cases where actually, uh, and a good example of this is log data. What can happen is that you find a pattern because of all our unsupervised technology and that pattern says, look, if I see this log, there's a problem. Now that log is being generated by some operating system, some vendor. And some other network, which has the same operating system and same vendor, might see the same log. So there is a role for supervised learning because as you learn these patterns and humans tell you that they are normal or abnormal, rather, uh, they can actually uh, be very useful and they can be useful across customers. And that's where the term collective learning comes from. So we sort of do all of these things and we do them in very intelligent ways where it makes sense. Right. So this is not... And this is not how chat, how these other online systems that we've seen so much in the mainstream media work. They're very much unsuper. They're not the learning is not supervised, but it's also not known. And they do add some of these collected learning things in there, but they're just not solving for the same problems. It's not narrow. It's just too wide. But 
One of the other things I wanted to talk, take a, draw a bow at was there are other AI network operations tools in the market. Do you feel that some of them are using like AI washing or ha- if I'm a customer and I'm looking at this and saying, here's my Altera that I understand it. If I'm looking at another solution, how would I detect AI washing? Could you talk to that? Yeah, that's, uh, I can give you a few few things there. Mm. The uh, There is a lot of AI washing and I think the, the thing for enterprises and operators to ask these tools is to get into a little bit more detail. Uh, what is the nature of their algorithms? Are they open source? If yes, which ones? If they're purpose-built, why? Uh, what, what are the characteristics of these algorithms? Some of the things we talked about today. Are they mm. online? Are they offline? Are they real-time? What do they mean by real-time? Mm. How many models can they build? Scale is critical. It's all about scale and cost economics. Can they build millions and millions of models? And if yes, then how much compute and CPU power do they need? And if uh, do they have models which can have which can handle the different kinds of metrics? For example, seasonality and traffic data. Can they look at multiple metrics at the same time? Are they multivariate in nature? Can they handle bursts in data? Can they ha- handle very very stationary data? So I think you really have to look at a lot of the details. Because what I've seen is uh, people are doing AI washing and under the covers, they're applying thresholds or just dynamically creating thresholds. So, uh, uh, so certainly, you know, people have to ask some, some difficult questions. And for that, they need some basic education. And we have a lot of material which we have put out just on our website just to help people be educated around this space, you know, leaving aside Octera, just in general, how should people be thinking about machine learning or machine learning and networking? So obviously, Octera is driven by data. How are you collecting this data and where does it go? Is this a product that I would run on my premises or is it a cloud solution? So Octera supports uh, both a fully on-prem deployment or a SaaS deployment. We can be consumed as SaaS. So we give our customers the choice and it's a software-only product. So we deploy it on a set of virtual machines, again, uh, either on-prem or a SaaS. And it's an end-to-end solution. We support... uh, data ingestion from either the technologies like SNMP or Syslog, we can connect directly to the switches. Okay. And these are technologies which have been around for decades, but we also support the next generation telemetry streaming technologies, the GRPC, GNMI, and open config, which create a lot more scale challenges. So we are big data aware. We take packet data, S-Flow, IP fix, a NetFlow version 10, uh, flow logs from the cloud, we talked about logs a lot today. So we take syslog, we take JSON logs. Customers can also feed us data using Kafka mm. and we can normalize that. Uh, so we can connect to data lakes and data platforms like Splunk. So you've got a whole range of choices. And of course, right. I should mention NSX. We can take data from VMware, NSX. Yeah. Right. So you're actually taking data from the customer's systems. You're not just you know taking data, moving it off into the cloud, producing a model and pushing it down. That's a differentiator because I think we see a lot of other people just suck the data off, produce a model, and then push it back down. You're you're very real time. Um, how do you manage to handle the rate of ingestion? And that I mean that's a real that's a big problem. That is a lot of money spent on real time analysis and rerunning the AI engines over and over. Yeah, you look. Ultimately, the proof is in the pudding, really, right? Yeah, so yeah, I'll give okay, you yeah. the we are deployed in very large networks. One of them, for example, has about you know, 15,000 switches and routers yep. feeding us uh, and the system is running on about 16, 17 virtual machines mm-hmm. and it's doing everything I'm talking about. 
So the cost economics of this or what we have built are 10 to 20x better than anything equivalent which has been done with open source. Uh, not, I mean, uh, not, not necessarily networking, but yeah. in generally we talk about systems like Apache, Spark, Storm, all of these frameworks, we are 10 to 20x better or even more from a cost economics point of view. Okay, there's something comforting in there. You're saying you've actually got this deployed in large networks, just because I don't know how many people in our audience would have heard of Ogtera networks, you know, and been to your website at ogtera.com, that's A-U-G-T-E-R-A.com. But, you know, you have deployed this in big customers. You've been out there, you've been in the industry for years and years and years, you know people, you've been able to take this product to them and convince them to deploy this in large networks. So this is ready for mainstream, I think is what you're trying to say. Absolutely. We are deployed in very, very large production environments, in Fortune 500 Mm. hyperscale environments, Fortune 500 financial environments, very large service provider, WAN, Edge, data center networks, retail environments, you name it. So Mm. uh, that's actually, that's so, so critical. It's very different to be in the lab and very different to be in production at scale and driving value. And we can talk about the sort of results we are seeing in production as well. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I'm curious about, you know, the amount of data you're gathering, I would worry about, you know, overwhelming an operator with anomaly information. And some of those anomalies may not actually indicate a problem. It's just a strange thing that happened. Or on my list of things to take care of, it's number 20 out of, you know, 100. Are you able to provide some kind of context or ranking to help me prioritize? Yeah, I'll actually answer your question with an example. In a very large deployment, we take in tens of billions of data points a day. By data points, I mean uh, metric messages, logs, and so on. We produce a few hundred anomalies. When I say we, let me be more precise. The software produces a few hundred anomalies mathematically. You're not in the back cranking a handle somewhere, turning them out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that's actually so right, right? It's actually the software uh, doing doing its thing. Machine learning, finding hundreds of anomalies a day. I think you do, because I've seen you on camera and you're very thin. You're looking really like you're (laughs) fading. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, tens of billions of data points a day, a machine with its AI converts or converts is a wrong word. It results in hundreds of anomalies a day in this environment. Mm -hmm. And then after that comes a piece which we haven't touched upon so far so much. All the intelligence in Octera, which is very operator friendly, and operators can use it for to really mine what's operationally relevant. So that creates about 50 tickets a day in this environment. So you've gone from these this massive scale of data to about 50 tickets a day, and each one of them is operationally relevant. There's almost no false positive, and it's driven the time to detect down from you know tens of minutes to about a minute and it's driven the time between uh, network you know revenue impacting incidents to about uh, 5x right so it's uh, uh so so that's really you know the the power of what we have built that we the the whole pipeline at the end produces very high fidelity actionable insights and when you say actionable, are you able to, you know, uh, an incident comes in and I take it, are you able to provide details like we're talking about this interface on this switch causing these problems? So start here as, as opposed to just there's a problem, go figure it out. That's exactly right. So the ticket is going to say that uh, we are seeing 
on this particular interface, we are seeing an optical issue. On this particular uh, interconnect link, we are seeing there is a latency degradation or increase, I should say, compared to the past history. And of course, this link is with this service provider. Or on this particular port, we are seeing TCP retransmits and those TCP retransmits are impacting the following flows. So it's very detailed, very precise information. And where we are going next this year is really help even providing more and more uh, specific recommended remediations, mm. as well as we'll go down uh, providing operators workflows where they can automatically start fixing certain issues as well. So that's coming down the road. But uh, what you said is exactly right. It, it's very precise, actionable information. Okay, so one thing I'm hearing is it sounds like you're targeting this toward uh, the knock folks uh, as a use case. And two, it sounds like you must then tie into ITSM systems or are you delivering your own uh, ticketing? Yeah, so we tie into ITSM systems. We have very uh, deep integrations with ServiceNow. Just to step back, our basic philosophy is we've built a platform which gives operators a lot of flexibility to integrate with the ecosystem. These ecosystems are very complex. You know, we talked about the side where data comes in, things like Splunk and Elasticsearch. Mm -hmm. Then there is a side where data gets consumed or, you know, ticketing systems, collaborative tools like Slack and Teams. And then there are automation frameworks. So we give operators the, the APIs to integrate with all of that. We complement that with a UI, which they can come to uh, when they get a ticket, for example, to really dig deep. And uh, really, all this is happening in a very uh, seamless manner where it, it makes their, ultimately, it's about making their job easy, you know. And it's not just the NOC team, by the way, just to clarify, our product is used by NOC, it's used by SRE teams, site reliability engineering teams, mm. it's used by multiple levels of NOC, it's used by NetSecOps as well, cloud ops teams and DevOps teams too, because they can use our platform to really, you know, uh, drive. Uh, their, their automation frameworks, for example, if they want to put a switch in maintenance, they can call our API and do that. Hmm. Okay. And is this, you know, in, in terms of operational, is this sort of, you know, the console I would come to first thing in the morning to just, you know, get that sort of red, yellow, green view, or is it more like, okay, I, here's my list of tickets, let's dig into Octaria and see what's happening? Yeah. So coming to the UI dashboard, green, yellow, red view, that's sort of the old thinking. Now. <laughs> That's what that's been around for decades. Yep. We absolutely support that, and we support that in a much better way. But where our customers are going, where we want the industry to go, is to tell people what's breaking, notify them, as opposed to having them stare at screens. And uh, so the the way our customers end up once they are operational, they understand the product, consuming the value of the product is automated tickets automated notifications into Slack, emails, could be emails, that's fine. So they get they get an anomaly sent to them. This is going wrong, you need to do something. And where they want to go next is, you need to do something. Take for example, we talked about optics. Well, would you like to go and deactivate this interface while you go and fix the optics? Press a button, yes, I would like to. So it, it's really, that's what I meant by automating the operational workflows. You know, go from staring at screens to actually operating this whole, automating this whole journey, which is very complex. Okay. 
Uh, and do you also then tie into, you know, there's a whole field of automation or orchestration tools that are supposed to, you know, make sure that once uh, a change has been made, go out and, and verify that you're getting the correct outcome. Can you tie into those as well? Or are you more of a standalone sort of break fix tool? No, we absolutely tie into those tools. More of that is uh, coming as we go. But it's the, uh, we provide APIs, you know, we are very, very, we are API first company. Mm-hmm. So our APIs can be integrated into those tools as well. And I, I don't want to just say one thing, which uh, I want to clarify. We we do have a very, very comprehensive UI. So we have customers where SRE teams come to our dashboard because for various reasons, they want to start with the UI. Uh, we certainly support those workflows, but we, we think that where the industry needs to be driven towards is being automation first and UI second. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is one of the features that I noticed on the website as I was prepping for this was your automated ticketing solution. That that really interested me. So what can you describe to me what that means? I think I understand what it means from the description, but you know, what does yeah. it mean? Yeah. So the, uh, the the essence of that, like in very you know very high level, is as Octera finds these AI needles that we have talked about, it automatically creates tickets in tools like ServiceNow. Now there's a lot which has to happen there, right? The first is when you create tickets in these tools, you sort of have to follow the and, and fit into the workflows of these tools. So for example, ServiceNow, you, you create a ticket and let's say that ticket is as simple as BGP is flapping. Well, as BGP keeps flapping, you don't want to keep creating tickets. You want to actually uh, on the same ticket append events. And once the ticket is actually uh, closed, and BGP continues to flap, or maybe flaps three days later, you want to create another ticket. Yeah. So you really plug into the life cycle of these systems, learn that life cycle, and be aware of that. So we do all of that. Mm. And we also do autocorrelation, which we haven't talked about. So I can talk about it briefly. And uh, the we learn the topology, as we said a little while back. And we also automatically correlate the events and anomalies using that topology. So let's say something happens in the data center because of which multiple links and BGP flap, traffic changes, packets get dropped, maybe a firewall starts to block something. In traditional systems, you would get individual alerts for some of this, not all of it. For example, traffic change may not be detected. Mm -hmm. Operator would run around with, you know, hair on fire looking at these tens of alerts and trying to make sense of it. With Octera, we automatically correlate this and create a single ticket. So that's where the automated ticketing tied into machine learning starts to now become so powerful. There are whole products devoted to this. And you're saying this is just a mind, like this is a feature that we're just wrapping up as we exit out of this, of our show today. But there are entire products built around fault, uh, fault management and fault elimination and you know, correlating faults as to, you know, cascading stuff. It just, it, it blows my mind that AI can actually change this. Yeah, uh, that's, that's exactly right. And it's, it requires bringing a lot of disciplines together, right? Real-time pipelines, machine learning, understanding the network, mm. building something with a very uh, holistic and a ambitious lens as well, right? That all mm. these problems can be solved by a single tool. And it yeah. takes time. Yeah. Uh, and Yeah. It just makes sense too, because you're actually building, when you build the model, you can show that to me graphically. I can actually see the the architecture of the network or the topology of the network. And when the fault 
errors come up, you're actually saying, I show the red where the source of the error is. Like if you're trying to, if something out on the SD-WAN is wrong, but your connection is completely, like your whole WAN is down, then you don't want alerts from everything. Saying this thing is actually smart enough to assist, to correlate everything and say, I know where the root cause is without having to spend months manually configuring the topology to say this, this is behind this and this is behind this, which is how a lot of those fault systems work. Yeah, I think the uh, we automatically learn the topology. We automatically correlate. We create automatic tickets. So I've used the word automatic three times. <laughs> yeah. it, it's on purpose because it, it really is driving automation and operations. And it takes all of those things and more to be able to do that. Traditional okay. systems were not designed with that mindset. They were now, designed with a mindset. Everything is manual. Now, this also means, and I'm just, again, I'm just quoting from your website, because I think this is very relevant, is that you actually do notifications to Slack, Syslog, and Kafka. You do automated ticketing integration with ServiceNow. That's a very popular way for running a help desk these days. Plus, you, the user can actually go out and custom create their own custom views with uh, meta, metadata aware filters. I'm not 100% sure what that means. Maybe we'll clarify it. But this is all configurable. This isn't like you get what we give you and you suck it up. There is quite a bit of flexibility in terms of lateral integration with other products, Slack and so forth, and ServiceNow and so forth. Yeah. So what we, the way we have designed this is when the product is deployed, it comes with a lot of or pretty much everything out of the box. Mm. So the anomaly models out of the box, topology learning, the anomalies we find, the capability to notify them however you want. So it's pretty much out of the box. At the same time, as you pointed out, you have, as an operator, complete flexibility to do anomaly detection on something different, to control what you want to notify, what you don't, and where you want to notify it, what you want to do with it. Mm. So really, reducing operator tax but not compromising the flexibility that they need in these complex environments. Yeah, it's, it feels to me like because you've actually done these live deployments, you've solved most of the questions that customers want and you want this tool to automatically kick in. Like a lot of people want these tools to automatically integrate. So you're not, I guess the point I'm trying to make is this is not a new product. It's not fresh out of the box sort of thing. You've actually had a couple of years of maturity in, in the real world before you've gone to the wider market. That's exactly right. We are mm. deployed in very large environments, as I mentioned. A couple I can name publicly. Orange is one. Colt is another one. Several other Fortune 500s, mm -hmm. which I uh, can't name, but I can certainly talk to uh, you know people privately about them. So yeah, you can set up an NDA yeah. with a customer if they want to go to the next stage. Just one final thing. Um, if I've got a unique network where I need to be fully on-prem or fully SaaS, do you do both? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's a unique feature as well. Okay, Rahul, I think we're running out of time for the show today. Um, if people wanted to see this product in action, which I think you do, I think one of the things about many of the modern software-defined tool sets and the AI operations platforms that we look at is you need to see them. If I wanted to play with this, is there a place I can go? Yeah. So we're very excited. You know, Just in the last couple of days, we have put out a real-time demo lab people can go to our website and they will see a button which will say real-time demo lab or they can go to our URL, octera.com slash real hyphen time hyphen demo hyphen lab. And you can see a, a real live environment with a lot of our capabilities that you can play with. It's on a mock environment, it's real data, it's a real hybrid cloud environment. 
And there's something very exciting because, you know, we really are, uh, it, it's, it's very challenging to get to a point where people can see what does this really mean and uh, bring it to them in a way where they can touch it, feel it, and see that this AI is real mm-hmm. and what it do for them. So I think uh, uh, it'll be you know very 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 interesting for the audience to uh, check it out. Well, and I think it's probably worthwhile doing that if you sort of listened to this and picked up on the thread. And you know we've talked about AI coming to networking, and as I've always said, AI, ML, statistics, deep learning. Sometimes they're all the same thing, and we just use the word for that. And I'm pretty sure that Octera contains all of those inside of its technology. I'd like to thank Rahul and Octera for sponsoring today's show. Without them, we wouldn't be here. And I hope you do go over there and check them out. And if you do talk to them, don't forget to tell them that you spoke, heard it on the Packet Pushes. That would be very helpful to all of us so we know uh, what works and what doesn't. As always, you can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog at packetpushes.net. Follow us on Twitter as at Packet Pushes. Find us on LinkedIn. Hear us on Spotify. And if you could rate us or tell your friends, that would be very, very helpful. And last but never ever least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.